brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. I can remember as a, as a child witnessing the public profession of faith in our church. And there was always one part of, of what we did that I found very strange. I remember as a kid thinking, why do they, they make these people stand up and respond to questions, and then why do they tell them that they're going to suffer? Because the text in the form after the, uh, the questions and the answers for uh, public profession of faith speaks about suffering. And I can remember as a kid thinking that if you profess your faith, well, what's gonna happen is you're gonna suffer a little while after that. So what I've decided to do this afternoon is to meditate with you on that text that we find at the end of the form for the public profession of faith. The text is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 through 11, and I'd like to spend some time thinking about that. The text is as follows. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever, amen. Our Reformed Church forefathers could have chosen any text, or a, a variety of different texts, to stick in this form after the profession of faith. But they chose this one. I'm not quite sure why they specifically chose this one, but I think it is an excellent text to read right after the public profession of faith. It's an excellent text to talk about because it takes life seriously. Today is a joyous occasion. There's gonna be smiles and handshakes and cake and music, and it's, it's a celebratory day. But this text reminds us that life also involves suffering and that the Christian life also involves suffering, and that when you profess your faith publicly before God and his church, you can expect suffering in your life. The Bible, Bible takes suffering so seriously. The Bible never minimizes our suffering. It takes it seriously. And many of us here know all about suffering and you four people doing your public profession of faith today, you also know something about suffering. Peter wrote the book of 1 Peter, the letter of 1 Peter, to persecuted Christians in the Roman Empire. And he was speaking to them about suffering in general. In chapter one, verse six, he talks about them having been grieved by various trials. So suffering in general. But then throughout his letter, he drills down into the specific suffering that people experience as Christians. Suffering related to being a Christian. He talks in chapter three of being reviled and suffering for righteousness sake. He talks about being slandered for your Christian behavior, insulted for the name of Christ, attacked by the devil. So Peter's talking about suffering in general and specifically suffering that you will experience when you stand up in this world and publicly say, I will follow Jesus. Jesus will be my king. And so Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. And so by placing this specific text at the end of the profession of faith form, we have a reminder 
or should we say a, a mature, realistic demonstration that Christians throughout the ages have understood that the Christian life will involve suffering. So let's go through this text, phrase by phrase. After you have suffered for a little while. Well, what does that mean? I thought when I was a kid that it meant that sort of like for about a week after you profess your faith, you're really gonna suffer. That's not what it means. So let me, let me try to explain that by, by using an, an illustration. I have here a, a rope. I'd like you to imagine that this rope, that it doesn't just extend to there, but it, it extends out the window and it, and it heads down the road. And it, it goes right down to the 416 and it goes all the way down to the, to the 401. And then this rope just continues. It goes down the 401, it goes all the way down to sort of Toronto area, about 500 kilometers, and it, it heads across southern Ontario and it goes into the states and the rope keeps on going and it goes, it goes all the way to Mexico, okay? 6,000 kilometers. And then it heads down into South America and that this same rope that I'm holding continues and goes all the way down to the end of Argentina, 16,000 kilometers. And then it leaves Earth. And it heads out and it passes the moon some 380,000 kilometers away. And then it, it heads out past the sun some 150 million kilometers away. And that this rope that I'm holding continues on indefinitely into the universe. Okay? And now I want you to imagine that this rope is the timeline of your life as a believer. That this rope is the timeline of your life as a believer that stretches into eternity. And then I want you to imagine that this little green part here represents your life on earth, your physical life now and that all of the rest of the rope is eternity. Now, this little piece of, of the rope here, this little piece of your timeline is filled with meaning and it's filled with beauty. It's filled with all kinds of, of goodness and wonder and glorious things. But it's also very short in comparison to the rest of the rope. It's very short. And the Apostle Peter is telling us that in this short little spot here, you will suffer. You will suffer a little while, this little while here. That, that you are going to suffer in this life. That in this section of your timeline, there is something going on where something is, is out of order, where something is, is not yet right. In this, just this little green part here, Christians suffer for being Christians. In just this little part here, there will be grief, and there will be illness, and there will be sorrow, and there will be frustration and persecution and all kinds of, all kinds of suffering. But the Apostle Peter is telling us, but this is so little compared to all of the rest of the eternal timeline of your life. It's just a little time. It's just a little while. And when you step into eternity and you're way farther down the timeline of your life, you will look down, back and you will say, well, I suffered for a little while. 
that even if your life, your whole physical life before you pass from this earth was filled with suffering, it would still only be a suffering of a little while. It's what the Apostle Paul calls in 2 Corinthians 4, a momentary and light affliction. Not because we don't take your suffering seriously, but because in the terms of the timeline of eternity, it's only momentary. And it's only light compared to the, to the weight of glory. After you have suffered a little while, says Peter, after you've suffered in this l- little section of your life's timeline, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, so let's just take that, that section as we progress down this phrase, the God of all grace, the God of all grace, the God of all love, the God of of general love for his creation, the God of electing love for his chosen ones, the God of saving love on the cross, the God of covenant love for his church, the God of regenerating love with his spirit, the, the God of preserving love that carries his church and his people to the end, the God of all love, the God of all grace, the God, of, the God of grace, unmerited favor, demerited favor, God's riches at Christ's expense for his church. The God of all grace, the God of the grace of justification and the God of the grace of sanctification that renews us and the God of the grace that brings us home, the, God, the grace of glorification. That this God of all grace, the only source of grace and the only source of mercy, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, the God who began a good work in your lives and who promises that he will carry it all the way through to the end. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, so Peter's setting up his sentence here, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, who has called you to an eternal glory, who's called you out of sin to his eternal glory, who has called you out of a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light, who's called you out of the dreariness of sin into the transforming, bright, and awe-inspiring eternity of his love, a glory which extends not just past the moon and not just past the sun, but into eternity in which the letter of Peter says that glory starts already in our own lives while we live today, that this God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he adds in Christ there, Christ who, who, who has lived in the eternity of the Trinity and but who has come to this little green section of earth of life to suffer and to die and to be victorious over suffering and to be victorious over death so that when you are united with him by grace through faith, you can be assured that just as you share in his suffering, as you share in the suffering of Christ, just in this little part here, that you will also share in the eternal glory of Christ forever and ever. So that Paul can say, indeed we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed. He who called the, uh, uh, he, uh, He whom he called, these he also justified, those he justifies, he also glorifies. So we're working our way through this this text, through this last phrase. After you have suffered a little while, will the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he's gonna do something for you. The promise is, is that this God of grace is gonna do something for you as you profess your faith. And it says, 
the God of all grace will himself, and in the Greek that word himself is emphasized. It's, it's, it's put out front so that we know that this is important. It's emphasized that God himself will do it. He will personally do this. Sometimes if you grow up in a covenant home, you can sort of think of God as something or someone that's just always sort of there. It's sort of like background noise. But God is not just something in the air. God's not just a, a vague force that's been around in your life or in your family. He's a personal and living God, and this text says that he himself personally will, and now Peter lays out for us four promises, the promises of God for you at your profession of faith. God will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now what Peter has done here is he's taken four terms and they're, they're overlapping terms. A lot of them, they, they share similar meanings and he's, he's piled them up on top of one another. You can think of sort of these four terms like, like a lens that you might look through. And he takes these four lenses and he puts them all on top of each other so that when you look through them all, you can see a clear, bright picture of God's great love for you and for his church. And so I'm gonna just briefly touch on all four of these, but really they overlap, and what's important is to look through all of them in order to see the Lord's love for you, his children. Anna and Nelia, Stefan and Calvin, the Lord promises to restore you, to restore you. That same word is, is used in, in Mark 1 for, for when Disciples are restoring, fixing up fishing nets. They're making the fishing nets good. You could think about it in terms of restoring an old guitar or restoring an old car and making it new, making it, making it right again, making it look great again. And that's what the Lord is up to in your lives and what he's up to in my life, what he's up to the, for the life of the church. He's making things right. He's making them beautiful again. You see, in this life you're gonna suffer and your life as a Christian will sometimes include great difficulty and you're gonna shed tears in your life. But you must be reminded that the Lord is restoring all things. That the Lord is fixing up this place. He's fixing up our lives and he's making things new again and he's restoring his church uh, to joy and to peace and he's eliminating suffering and sin and so keep your eyes wide open as you walk through the Christian life to see where God is restoring and renewing things and look forward to that amazing day when we step across the threshold into eternity or when Jesus himself steps into this world from eternity and with his nail-scarred hand, he wipes every tear from our eye and there will be no more suffering, no more tears, no more persecution. He will eliminate it all and he will say, behold, I am making all things new. He promises to restore you. And then he promises to confirm you. If you confirm an appointment, well then you make that appointment definite. You make it more sure. If you buy tickets for a concert or for a senator's game, then maybe they send you a confirmation email to let you know that it's sure, you've got your ticket, it's gonna happen, it's, it's definite, it's not going to change. One day, and I look forward to this day, all our doubts, all our questions, 
all of that's just going to evaporate. It's just going to, it's going to disappear one day. And we're going to be confirmed in the eternity of God's glory. And everything about your faith will be 100% sure. I don't think any of us right now have a faith where everything is 100% sure in our minds. But one day we will. The Lord will confirm us one day. Until then, the Lord is working in your life to confirm you, to establish you, to make things more sure so that you can stand up as you mature in the faith and you can withstand the fiery ordeals of suffering and the storms of life. And the Lord will ensure you already in this life that you will persevere, that he will confirm you in his unchanging love and assure you of his love, his grace toward you for, toward all of us, to assure us of his comfort to make us stand firm, to confirm us. The third promise is that the Lord, or the third lens through which we are looking, is that the Lord will strengthen us. Literally, it says that the Lord will fill us with bodily strength. That's not saying that at the moment of your profession of faith, suddenly you're gonna get ripped physically. That's not what it means. It has to do with being strengthened spiritually, that the Lord will empower you spiritually that he will make us strong in faith beyond our imagination in eternity. So often in life today, I'd done my profession of faith, I don't know how many years ago, but so often in my life today, I feel my faith is weak. I feel like I lack strength. But I can also tell you that so many occasions in my life, the Lord has empowered me spiritually through his Holy Spirit. He starts doing that in our life today and he will continue to do that in your lives and he will make sure that it happens all the way through into eternity. Remember that as we live in this small part of life where we suffer for a little while. In fact, the Lord promises to use some of the suffering that we experience in this small section of our timeline. He promises to use some of the suffering in this life here to help us also get stronger in our faith that's easier to, to make sense of and to see after the suffering is done. It's easier to see perhaps when you get older and you've, you've been around the block when it comes in terms of suffering and you can see how the Lord has used that to strengthen you in your faith. I read an, an interesting uh, article the other day where people had planted a, some trees in a, in a biosphere, in, a, in an artificial habitat and they were wondering why these trees don't grow near as tall and as strong as trees do out in the wild. And what they discovered was it was because of the lack of wind. In the wild, the wind blows the trees and they sway back and forth and that swaying back and forth strengthens them. They, they, they build strength in their trunk so that they can actually grow stronger and bigger. In an artificial habitat, they don't have that and they stay weak. And I think there's an analogy for in that for how the Lord sometimes uses our suffering. That the winds of suffering can blow against us in this life. But by God's grace, that suffering can be used to strengthen us so that we grow strong. The Lord promises to restore you and to confirm you and to strengthen you and finally to establish you, the last lens through which we look. Establish you. To establish you on a, on a firm foundation to set you on a rock, to build your spiritual house on something strong. You remember that story of Jesus 
in the Gospel of Matthew, where he says there's, there's two men built a house. One built it on the rock and one built it on the sand. And the wind and the waves came. The wind and the waves are the suffering of life. The suffering of life will hit the house of those who build their house on sand and it will also hit the, sand, the house of those who build on a rock. But when you have been established by the Lord on a rock, then suffering may batter your doors and it may clang against your windows, but you will not fall. The Lord has established you on the rock of Jesus Christ and his grace. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. He promises to restore you and to confirm you and to strengthen you and to establish you. And if you take that lens of his promise to restore you and to confirm you and to, and to strengthen you and establish you, then the image gets crystal clear. As you look through it, what you see is that the Lord promises you today on the day of your public profession of faith, that he will care for you because he loves you. He will care for you. And the Lord does that understanding that life can be very difficult and it can be filled with suffering. That as believers, as you walk out into the rest of your lives, you will experience difficulty. But know this on this day of your public profession of your faith. The Lord will care for you not just on the long part into eternity. The Lord cares for you here in the midst of your suffering. And you can be sure of that. All of us can be 100% sure of that because it's written in the blood of Christ. It's written in the blood of Christ who came from all eternity to this earth to suffer and to die. You are all on by grace through faith a trajectory that, that, that sends out into eternity, into forever, the eternal glory of the risen Lord. Be confident as you walk that path that the Lord cares for you and that he loves you. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen.